What's up, everybody? It's Jaren from the Hockey Podcast Network's newest show, the Windy City Benders Podcast. My co-host Tanner and I bring our unique takes on Blackhawks hockey. Us on this show have been a, a pro Carlton guy. for He's the right coach for the situation. Giving it to our rivals. That's one of the things that kind of sucks. I wish we would have had the Blues in our division this year because our trash. As well as bringing in some guests from the NHL. Please welcome to the show, goaltender Scott Darling. The Eagle himself, Ed Belfort. Brian Bickle. David Boland. Letter Kenny. The, the show started out with uh, basically a, a beer league hockey team. And anybody who loves the game. Find us on all your favorite podcast apps, the Hockey Podcast Network website, and on social media at WCB Podcasts. The tournament is in full swing and the action hasn't disappointed. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new customers in the center of action. Bet $1 on any tournament game, and if your team wins, you win $100. It's that simple. And basically, folks, if you want to continue to put your money on teams like Oral Roberts or Abilene Christian or even, hell, Loyola Chicago, this is the type of deal you want to get on. Pick any college basketball team that's still in the hunt for your shot at winning $100. All it takes is a $1 bet and that team winning their next game. Turning $1 into $100 is 100 to 1 odds. There's no better way to put your college basketball knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry if college basketball isn't for you, which I still think it should be. DraftKings Sportsbook has 100 to 1 odds on select fighters for this weekend's UFC 260. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100. If the college basketball team of your choosing Pulls off the win. Guys, please continue to bet on Oral Roberts. I beg you. They are going to the Final Four. For a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Welcome to New York. This is, is the Devil's Devil State, State of Mind podcast, podcast, brought to you brought by, to you the, by hockey the Hockey Podcast, podcast Network. Network. Now here's now your here's host, host, Neil Villapiano. What is happening, Devils fans? It is once again your boy, Neil Villapiano, and welcome back to another exciting edition of the Devils State of Mind podcast right here exclusively on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place as always to get the most up-to-date news and topics and overall great content 
about your New Jersey Devils. I hope you guys are having a fan, fantastic day wherever you're listening to this podcast. Thank you, as always, for taking some time to listen to these podcast episodes. I greatly appreciate it. Folks, we have a bunch to talk about here today, and we have on another special guest. Yes, I am continuing to get some really great guests, just great people in general to come on and take some time to talk with us here on the Devil's State of Mind podcast. You guys will hear that towards the end of this episode, but we're going to, for the most part, be talking about the three-game series between us and the Pittsburgh Penguins. We're also going to get some news about some injuries that have unfortunately happened. And also, the Devils, over the weekend, made a signing with one of their prospects. So, like always, we have a bunch to get to. So let's not waste any more time and drop the puck. So we'll start with talking about the first game between the Devils and the Penguins back on Thursday the 18th. And we got some pretty bad news and some pretty shocking news right before the game. It, the Mackenzie Blackwood was scheduled to start this game against the Penguins, and he actually took warm-ups. And then right as warm-ups ended, we got word that Blackwood was not going to be playing in this game, that he was hurt and that he had to leave the ice and he could not come and play this game. And, and luckily, it wasn't anything COVID-related because when they first announced that Blackwood was not going to play, the Devils did, we all assumed that it was COVID. But immediately, Amanda Stein and the Devils and everyone involved said it's not COVID-related, it's injury-related, but it's still not good. Now, we later found out the next day on Friday the 19th that Blackwood suffered an upper body injury that apparently he's been suffering with uh, for the last couple of days, this is something that's been ongoing. So that kind of makes you wonder as to, you know, when you look at how Blackwood's had his struggles of late, is that one of the reasons why he's been struggling of late? So we will see as we move along. There really just isn't much more information that I can give you guys at this moment. I mean, things could obviously change. Um, maybe it'll take as long as it did with Nico Heischer's situation uh, to find out the situation. But you know, for the foreseeable future, it looks like it's going to be the goaltending tandem of Scott Wedgwood and Aaron Dell. And Scott Wedgwood was the man who was given the opportunity to start this game. And I mean, I know as a goaltender, no matter whether you're playing or you're not playing, you got to be ready. But this was a situation where he had to, you know, really set his mind from, okay, I'm going to be the backup. I have to be ready if I have a chance to come in this game to oh my goodness I'm immediately now going to be starting and my whole like routine has been kind of thrown off a little bit but knowing Wedgwood being a veteran and having the success that he's had for the most part this season I knew that he was going to be confident going into the net but obviously it was a frustrating type of news to get right before the game started and hopefully we'll get more information as the days go along and hopefully it's not something too severe because the Devils really can't afford to have more of their impact players uh, being away from the team for a significant period of time. But the Devils got off to a really good start in this game. Jack Hughes, about halfway through the period, he took a shot that deflected off of Tristan Jari's mask and into the net. I don't know if he intended to have it you know, deflect off of his helmet, but hell, it worked. And he scored, which got him his seventh goal of the year, which... He has now reached the same total goals he scored last year. So you can already see that Jack Hughes is having a much better, way more productive sophomore season 
than he did in his rookie year. And that's just a great thing to see. And it was a great shot, a beautiful shot. And most importantly, he gave the Devils a one nothing lead after the first period. So right away after 20 minutes, you felt pretty good. You said, all right, good start to the game. Got the lead, got to build on it. And that's exactly what the Devils did. Because about almost nine minutes into the second period, the Devils got on the power play and they were approaching the last 50 seconds or so. And P.K. Subban got a really nice pass from Jesper Bratt. He did that famous one-time shot and he blasted it past Tristan Jari and into the net. And the Devils got themselves a two-goal lead. And the fact that it was on the power play, because we know how atrocious this power play has been for the most part of this year, is a miracle in itself. But P.K. Subban, who got robbed, if you remember, last week against the Islanders in overtime, finally gets himself a goal that actually counts. And the Devils got a two-goal lead. But the Devils continued to, to pour it on for a little bit. As just 90 seconds later, Damon Severson took a shot from the top of the blue blue line and was deflected by Travis Ajak just a little bit and beat Tristan Jari over his right shoulder into the net and all of a sudden the Devils have one of their biggest leads of the season at three to nothing now if you are a Devils fan you you know as well as I know that a three-goal lead makes you nervous hell even a two-goal lead makes you nervous especially because we're about halfway through this game and we're up three nothing and we know you know, how this team in years past have blown leads like this. And it got nerve wracking because we were down to the last two minutes or so of the, of the second period. And Michael McLeod got called for a really weak interference call. I mean, it was a really, really weak call and he had to go to the sin bin and the devils were on the verge of killing off this penalty, which would have made it, I think 16 or 17 in a row that they've killed. But Chris Letang took a shot from the point that was deflected by Jake Gensel, and he found the back of the net, and the Penguins were able to get one back to cut the deficit to two, and that's where we stood after two periods, three to one Devils. And obviously, you know as well as I know that we were all super nervous about, uh uh-oh, here we go. We got 20 minutes, and we just, you know, we had a three-goal lead, and now we're only up by two, and you know, is this one of those here we go against situations? You know, it was certainly a nerve wracking thing. And in that third period, I felt like it was more back and forth. I didn't really feel like the Devils dominated nor the Penguins. Uh, the biggest opportunity I felt like the Devils had was Mikhail Moltsev about four or five minutes in, just walked in alone. And I thought for sure he was going to beat uh, Tristan Jari far side. But Jari just had a tremendous third period, really did a good job of keeping the Penguins alive as much as possible. And of course, as we approached the end of the game, the last minute or so, the Penguins pulled their goaltender down three to one still, and they continued to put shot after shot. And I was just like, please find a way to somehow get an empty net goal. And we know the Devils just can't score empty net goals. We we just know this. But I was hoping that maybe we get lucky and they would find a way to score one. But they didn't. And Brian Russ actually scored a goal that I guess went under the arm of the under the right arm of Scott Wedgwood, and he scored with four and a half seconds left to go in the game. And I remember jokingly or basically half serious saying, There's no way the Devils are going to give up a goal in four and a half seconds, right? Right? And sure enough, that's that's definitely not what happened. The Devils won that face off, Palmieri cleared it, and the Devils held on for a three to two victory. Whoo! That was nerve-wracking. It was very, very nerve-wracking. And I know I've been really negative of late. But again, I was also negative because I just said, 
the Penguins are going to find a way to score and we're going to blow a three goal lead and we probably won't win in overtime or shootout. Because again, like I've mentioned before, this has just been the mentality of this team the last couple of years, but they were able to get the win. Shout out to Scott Wedgwood, who got the start just maybe seconds before this game was supposed to start comes in and plays a really good game. He honestly, for the most part, deserved an opportunity to maybe even get a shutout. He played so well, and the Devils were able to play well enough in front of him to secure that victory at 3-2, to two. and that also gave the Devils a two-game winning streak. So it's been nice of late to see this team not only competing, but winning these games, which definitely you know eases some fans like myself a little bit more. Now we'll shift to Saturday's game against the Penguins. Now, this was one of the reverse retro nights, and it was a really cool experience to see both teams wearing the reverse retro uniforms. The Penguins one is really, really clean. I really enjoy it. And a lot of people were saying on social media that it was a really nice thing to see with both of these teams. And, you know, that was probably one of the most, I would say, happiest moments of the game because just before the game, or actually it happened on Friday, um, Lindy Ruff announced that Nate Bastion would be out week to week with a lower body injury that he sustained in the win on Thursday. So unfortunately, we lose another player for a considerable amount of time. And I remember the play that Bastion got hurt on. He got crashed into the boards and he definitely came up limping. And I think he ended up playing the rest of the game. But obviously, it's an injury that's going to keep him out of the lineup for a while, which is good news for Nick Merkley, who has played you know, he played a couple of games early in the year and then got sent down to, to Binghamton and has been kind of at Binghamton taxi squad going back and forth. This is probably an opportunity for him to play a boatload of games moving forward. And he got into the lineup for this one. And before I get into the whole like play by play of this game, I just want to say that Nick Merkley had a really, really impressive game here in this one. Like he had a couple of really great opportunities back to back in the second period. Like it felt like he was on the verge of scoring a goal. And he's a guy that brings a lot of energy to the lineup. And I really like him. And a lot of people will know that he, uh, he was brought to New Jersey in the Taylor hall trade. And, you know, he made some, he made some noise uh, before we hit the pandemic uh, last season. He did really well overseas to really up his goal scoring. And he's made some really good plays during this season as well. So it's nice to see maybe this is a guy that we could definitely have as a third or fourth line guy moving forward. And that's just really good. And if he continues to play like this, he's going to find himself in a position where he's going to be a mainstay in this lineup long-term. I just wanted to get that out of the way before I go into the play-by-play, but let's get into this game. So we'll start in the first period, obviously, and the devil struck first on a rebound goal by Kyle Palmieri about seven minutes in. And it started with, I think it was just for Brett. He made a nice cross crease past the Vatnin who took a shot and Casey DeSmith made a great save, but Palmieri was in the right place at the right time, knocked the puck in and scored. And I would love to see the Devils have more opportunities like that or create more opportunities like that moving forward. That's the thing I want to see. Having at least one or two guys right in front of the net. In that situation, you had Palmieri on the left and Jack Hughes on the right. I want to see more of that moving forward, being more aggressive in the offensive zone like that. If you're going to do that, you're going to have more opportunities like Palmieri scoring there where you're going to find a way to get a goal. And the Devils ended up holding on to that lead one nothing after one. But in the second half of that period, 
the Penguins started to really get their game going. They started to dominate. They really dictated the pace. They had a lot of really good chances, but Scott, Scott Wedgwood, again in net, was making a lot of really good saves. And then you go into the second period, and the Penguins continued to basically pick up right where they left off in the first period, getting really good chances. And they finally got rewarded as Zach Aston rescored about five minutes into the period as the Penguins were able to bring it into the offensive zone. And then the puck kind of like was bouncing in front of the slot and a bunch of guys were scrambling to try to get it. And finally, Zach Aston got it and he beat Wedgwood far glove side and tied the game at one. And unfortunately, the tie game did not last very long because about less than two minutes later, the Penguins went on the power play and they ended up scoring as Brian Russ stole the puck in the offensive zone, was able to get wide open in the slot, just carried the puck in and had all the time in the world and just easily went from his forehand to his backhand, went top shelf over the right shoulder of Scott Wedgwood and the Penguins took the lead at two to one. And that's where it stood at the end of two periods. So, Obviously, through 40 minutes, it was frustrating because the game started really well for the Devils. They got the lead, and then they kind of backed off like they've done it in games past, and they just had a moment there for about two and a half minutes where they just basically let the Penguins just do anything they want, and as a result, they got paid for it as they lost, as they gave up two goals to trail 2-1 to one going into the third period. But I will say this. After that Brian Russ goal, the Devils dominated the rest of the game. They had so many grade-A opportunities. But Casey DeSmith, as I tweeted out on Twitter at Devil State, I said, when did Casey DeSmith decide to become the second coming of Marc-Andre Fleury? And I know the boys at the Tip of the Iceberg podcast replied to that and said, you know, hey, uh, Casey DeSmith has been playing really well of late. I mean, both of these goaltenders, both Jari and DeSmith, came into the series playing pretty well. And I can certainly see that. And DeSmith just made so many unbelievable saves. It just felt like at some point the Devils were going to find a way to get that tying goal because they were just really doing well. And the Penguins were just, you know, on their heels, basically the whole, pretty much the whole period. And the Penguins got one opportunity where basically they got, they pinned the Devils against the boards in the offensive zone. Sidney Crosby got the puck and he just kind of fired it at the net or tried to just fire it back into the offensive zone. And it was deflected very high by Jake Gensel, and he just fluttered into the net. And clearly it was a legal goal. There's no question. It was just such a freak goal that, like, I couldn't get mad. But I did get mad because it was one of those situations where it was like, the Devils are dominating, 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 but they can't finish. And the Penguins get one chance, and they know how to finish, and they score. And as a result, they took a 3-1 lead. And the Devils did have an opportunity to at least cut the deficit to one with about 90 seconds to go in the game where there was a scramble in front of the net and the puck ended up squirting into the net as the referee blew the whistle. And that was a very frustrating thing to see. And they actually, the refs went and reviewed this play. And I said, okay, they're going to get it right. They're going to say that it's a good goal. They spent less than 30 seconds and the head ref came out and said, the play has been determined that it was still no goal. The whistle blew before the puck went into the net, which was crap, in my opinion, which was absolute crap. And I said, look, when you're a bad team like the Devils are at times, you're not going to get those. You're not going to get those calls. You're just not going to. That's why we didn't get that call against the Islanders last week. And that's why we didn't get this call 
against the Penguins. And that's just how it is. And that's pretty much where the game ended as the Devils fell in this one, three to one. And I would agree, the Devils played sloppy for good portions of this game. But there were some really good bright spots, especially in the second and third periods later on. Because at least three times, the Devils kept the puck in the offensive zone for over 90 seconds, nearly two minutes, three different times, where they had it like it was a power play, but it was five on five, and the Penguins were just stuck in their own zone. But again, Casey DeSmith was the story of this game, you know, in the last 30 minutes of it, just making save after save, denying the Devils an opportunity to get back in this one and maybe try to get a comeback victory. But nonetheless, the Devils did lose this one three to one, and their you know, winning streak, even though it was only two games, um, was cut as they lost this one as they were trying to get to three wins, which would have been great to see them win both games in Pittsburgh. But, you know, it just not it wasn't much luck of the draw. It was just that they got to find a way to finish more and be more consistent, like Nick Berlansky of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast said on our last episode that, yeah, we just we got to find ways to be more consistent in the offensive zone and convert on these chances. Otherwise, we're not going to do it. Now, remember Kyle Palmieri saying, yeah, we really didn't deserve to win this game, which was kind of a harsh thing because I did feel like the Devils had some opportunities and I felt like they deserved a little bit more in that third period than what they got. But I could also see the power play wasn't really good. The penalty kill was okay, but it hasn't been as good as it's been in previous games prior to playing Pittsburgh. And look, you know, Pittsburgh's a really good team for a reason. And even without, you know, Evgeny Malkin being in the lineup, uh, they still got Sidney Crosby. They still got Jake Gensel. They still have, you know, Chris Letang. They have some really good players that are going to find a ways to score goals. And that's what they did. And they they grinded out a three-to-one victory. And they definitely deserved, for the most part, to win that game. So that was a very frustrating thing. And I like to keep things kind of in, I guess you would say, chronological order for the most part. So before I talk about the Devils game against the Penguins on Sunday, I wanted to give you guys a Binghamton Devils update because it's been a while. And it's also been because Binghamton had a couple of COVID situations where they they had some guys on COVID and then some other teams that they were going to play had COVID. But they finally were able to get a game on Friday against the Hershey Bears, the Washington Capitals AHL affiliate. And they came back from down four to one to win this game six to five at home at the practice uh, facility or practice arena next to Prudential Center. And it was just a big victory for the Binghamton Devils. And there were a couple of things that stood out to me. Number one, Graham Clark, who I've talked about before on this podcast, and I'm telling you guys, I said it on Twitter and I'll say it here. This kid is special. He's going to be a major factor for this team in the future. I can bet on it. I'm telling you, watch out for this kid. Graham Clark has been on fire of late has a four-game point streak with three goals and an assist. He did score on the power play, which was his second power play goal of the year, in that victory against Hershey. So that was a really, really impressive thing. The other thing was the line of Nolan Foote, Fabian Zetterlin, and Jesper Boquist, who combined for nine points in total in that game. And I said it on Instagram and Twitter this past weekend. I said, This line will now be known as the international line, which some of you find corny. Some of you actually like it, but it doesn't matter. That's what we're, that's what we're sticking with. So the international line was definitely on full display in that victory against Hershey. 
Now, Binghamton's next game will be on Sunday, which by the time you guys listen to this episode, that game will already have happened. But that will be the next game that the Binghamton Devils play, which will be at 4 o'clock against Hershey. So, like I said, by the time you guys listen to this episode, you'll already know what happened in that game. Now, the last thing I wanted to talk about before we talk about the Devils game against the Penguins on Sunday, the Devils made an announcement on Friday that they signed prospect defenseman Mikhail Vucevic, Vuka Vukacevic, excuse me, to a three-year entry-level contract starting with the 2021-22 season. So he will basically be not on contract with the Devils officially until the beginning of next year. So the Devils have already signed two other players to their entry-level deals, Graham Clark and Riley Walsh, and now they get Vukacevic, um, his deal as well. And Vukacevic, who was the Devils' fifth round selection or 82, 82nd overall in the 2019 NHL draft. He started this year with a four-game point streak with a goal and four assists. He's been a really, really good defenseman, a really good balanced defenseman of being an offensive defenseman and a defensive defenseman for Binghamton this season. The 19-year-old defenseman served as an assistant captain last season for the Ontario Hockey League's Kitchener Rangers. So, yeah, he's a Ranger to an extent, but, we'll, you know, hey, look, he's with the Devils in the NHL, and that's the most important thing. He put up five goals and 25 assists for 30 points in 63 games the previous year. And overall, this defenseman, who is a lefty, mind you, has played in 155 OHL or Ontario Hockey League games with Kitchener, recording nine goals and 55 assists for 64 points. He also has some connections already with Devils players, as in 2018, Vukacevic recorded two assists in seven games and helped Canada capture a gold medal at the Hilinka Memorial alongside current teammate Graham Clark. So the Devils have been able to get some guys who already have some chemistry with each other and have done really, really well and have had some really solid games for Binghamton. So this is a great thing, and I'm excited to see some of these young kids get an opportunity, whether it's at the end of this year or, you know, obviously next season to start really getting this, you know, I guess you would say youth movement underway. Because, I mean, we still have some veterans that are here, and I know in the next year or two they probably won't be here. And it, it is exciting because these guys haven't played a game in the National Hockey League yet, and it's really intriguing to see what the likes of Vukacevic, of Nikita Hoychuk, of Graham Clark, of Riley Walsh, of guys that we just drafted like Alexander Holtz and Dawson Mercer and Shakir Mukamadulin and so many other guys that we have in the system that have a really, really, they have just really good promise to be really solid, really talented NHL players. And that's really an exciting thing. And, you know, I've said it before, guys, the future is bright. And look, I know it's difficult to, you know, say these things when we've seen for years past, we've said, oh, the future is bright, future is bright. At the end of the day, we do want to, uh, you know, stop talking about that and start seeing production on the ice. And hopefully these guys can get onto NHL ice and start producing sooner rather than later, even though I do know that there is a learning curve that needs to happen for these young players. But the Devils, with Tom Fitzgerald, obviously, as the general manager, are making some really good signings. And it's just really exciting to see these guys, you know, getting, you know, signed and getting official and, 
and, and really getting ready to begin their Devils careers. And we are all looking forward to seeing these guys. So congratulations to the defenseman, Michael Vukacevic, on signing his first entry or his entry-level contract, which makes him a professional hockey player for the first time in his career. So now we'll shift to the game on Sunday against the Penguins. And we got really good news right away as we were told, literally as the Devils were going out on the ice for warm-ups, that Mackenzie Blackwood would actually be playing after he missed the game on Saturday due to an injury, excuse me, on Thursday. So it was kind of a surprise. Uh, there was no news prior that he was even probable of playing in this game, but it was certainly a relief that he was going to be playing in this game. The only other news was that Michael McLeod was going in the lineup and Nikita Gusev uh, was going to be a healthy scratch. Not really sure exactly why exactly. Maybe it's just, you know, just wanted to get a fresh body in there, you know, whatever the case may be. But I really liked how the Devils jumped out right after the first puck drop and Right from the first shot, like not even 10 seconds in, the Devils set the tone. As Sharon Govich got a shot that was partially saved by Jari, but also hit the post. So the Devils were just maybe an inch or even less from scoring less than 10 seconds into this game. And they continue to attack and be aggressive. But unfortunately, Jari continued to have what was ultimately the best of the two games that he played this week or this, this weekend um, against the Devils and was classic Devils because they were getting shot after shot after shot and they weren't scoring. And sure enough, the Penguins came down about four minutes into the first period. Brian Rust made an absolutely gorgeous pass to Sidney Crosby, who took a tough angle shot that just beat the left skate of Mackenzie Blackwood and went into the net. And the Penguins grabbed a one nothing lead. And that was really, really frustrating. And it was more frustrating because for a few minutes after that, the Penguins then all of a sudden turned it around and started getting shot after shot. And it did kind of feel like, okay, the Penguins are now in control of this game and this isn't going to look good. But I would say, honestly and truly, after I would say the first seven, eight minutes of this game, the Devils, very similar to how they played in the game yesterday or on Saturday against the Penguins, they just completely dominated the game. They had so many great day opportunities, and it wasn't until the second period where Yanni Kokkinen made a nice pass to Sammy Botnan at the top of the point, and he just had that one-time shot that beat Tristan Jari, passed into the net, and it's a tie game. And that was really, really big. You know, Botnan has obviously, obviously had a really tough year uh, this year for the Devils, but it's nice to see him get a goal there. Yanni Kwokinen continues to, you know, really, really play so, so well. And it's just tremendous to see. And it pretty much stayed 1-1 until we went to overtime. But there were plenty of chances, more particularly for the Devils, um, in both the second and third periods. Igor Sharangovich in particular had some really great opportunities. He was actually really fantastic and felt like, and I really felt like he deserved to score a goal or two because he had some really good chances. I think if he continues to play this way, it will come. The goals will come and he will continue to produce. But that line of Zajac, Sharon Govich, and Quokin, it continues to be, without a doubt, the best line on this hockey team 100%. And Blackwood played a hell of a game and he got hit a couple times where guys crashed the net. And I was worried he was going to get injured and not be able to return. 
in this game, but he stayed in there, kept making saves, and looked like the McKenzie Blackwood that we had seen in games past when he was really, really on top of his game. And the Devils kept fighting, but unfortunately they couldn't get the go-ahead goal and they had to settle to play in overtime. And, you know, the Devils were going into it, 2-1 and one in overtime, 0-3 in the shootout. So obviously the Devils didn't want to get to a shootout. The Penguins actually were coming in 7-1 and one in the shootout. I remember somebody who I was watching the game with said, oh, well, that means that they're due for a loss. And, you know, I was like, yeah, they, they probably are. And the Devils right away had some really good opportunities. Again, Sharon Govich had a really good shot where Gensel was the only player back. You know, and he's a forward, mind you. And Sharon Govich still got a really good shot. And for a second, I thought he beat Tristan Jari, but he made another fantastic save. This was a great game if you're a fan of goaltending because both these goalies were fantastic. And then with about two and a half minutes left, Zaka and Brat were on the ice. Zaka got the puck. He passed it to the left side to Brat. And I thought Pratt was going to take a shot from that angle, but he didn't. He held the puck, did a wraparound, and at the last second was able to get the puck to bounce off of Tristan Jari into the net, and the Devils win the game 2-1 to in overtime. And that was a big-time goal to end a pretty awesome three-game series with Pittsburgh grabbing four of a possible six points. And I said when I was on the tip of the iceberg podcast that the Devils were only going to win one of the three games. Well, I mean, I you know, one of the teams did win two out of three. It just wasn't the Penguins. And the Devils, you know, pleasantly surprised me. And that was just great because they've been so competitive the last couple of games, especially since that last loss in a shootout to the Islanders. They've really, really been earning themselves these victories and these points, and it's just really great to see. Now, uh, NHL Public Relations on Twitter at PR underscore NHL, they tweeted this out after the game. They said, Jesper Bratt, 22 years of age, scored in overtime to help the Devils defeat Pittsburgh. New Jersey has received 54% of its points this season from players aged 23 or younger, 107 of the 198 total points, including four of six points collected Sunday, no other team has a rate of 40% or higher. Well, it's not a surprise because, number one, the Devils have arguably the youngest team in the National Hockey League. There's no question. We have a handful of guys that are not even at times at the legal drinking age in the United States that are making major contributions that haven't gotten consistent NHL minutes. And it's just great to see that these guys are really stepping up and making plays. And just for Brad, I mean, he's part of this. He's only 22. And he's had a couple of years of experience in the NHL. But again, he's still painfully young. But it's just great that there's some excitement. There's some really good things that we can talk about and just get excited about. And I know some people are like, oh, you know, why are we winning these games? It doesn't matter. We're not going to make the playoffs. Maybe we should try to get a high pick. Look, guys, we've been down in this situation for so many years now that for me personally, I'm tired of having to worry about who we're going to draft in the lottery and how we're going to do in the lottery. I just want to see this team win. I want to see them be competitive. And the last five, six games, that's what I've seen. And I'm hoping that as the rest of the season moves forward, we continue to play this way. Because if we do, we're going to find a way to win more games and really finish the season on a high note which is fantastic because then it puts this team in the right direction moving forward to eventually become a playoff contender and then even more into the future, eventually a Stanley Cup contender. But a big win 
on Sunday afternoon against the Penguins in Pittsburgh to cap off a tremendous weekend, basically. I mean, they were, if they did not have that one little bad, you know, episode in the second game after being up one nothing, they on Saturday, they would have actually found a way to win all three games, which would have been even more fantastic. But still, hell of a job by the Devils to win this game and to secure four of a possible six points. Now, heading into this upcoming week, and we'll talk about more of these games as the week goes along, but to just give you guys a quick preview, the week goes as follows. On Tuesday night, the Devils are in Philadelphia taking on the Flyers. I believe that's only the third time this year that the Devils have played the Flyers. The Devils dropped the first two games against the Flyers way back in late January. And then we have back-to-back games, but not on the weekend. Oh, no. We have back-to-back night games against the Capitals on Thursday night at 7 o'clock and Friday at 7 o'clock. We have a day off on a Saturday for the first time, I think, this entire season. And then we travel to Boston to play a 5:30 game against the Bruins. And also, this is the beginning of a, let me check here, one, two, three, four, five, six-game road trip. So obviously, this is a great start to the road trip, and it's just fantastic. But again, a hell of a victory for the New Jersey Devils on the road in Pittsburgh to get off to a really good start on this road trip. And hopefully, we can use this victory to really get going. And let's make this a really, really positive road trip, you know, with arguably being the longest one of this entire season. Before I introduce the last segment here with our very, very special guest on this edition of Devil's State of Mind podcast, I wanted to give you guys one more quick update for the Binghamton Devils. I know I said I wasn't going to uh, bring up this game, but I am recording this kind of late on Sunday night. And I wanted to, you know, since I had some time, want to give you guys another update with the Binghamton Devils. They unfortunately did lose that game that game on Sunday against Hershey, three to two in overtime. So it was a very, very competitive game. Nolan Foot and Graham Clark got the goals for the Devils. Ben Street, Martel, Boquist, and Nikita Ahoychuk got assists on these goals. A couple of other stats that were brought up uh graham clark like i mentioned he scored again which makes it now a five game point streak and that's just continuing to show how really talented this guy is and she's showing so much promise which is great i also wanted to shout out goaltender evan cormier who obviously didn't get the win but stopped 48 of 51 shots to keep the binghamton devils in this game and you just got to you got to, you know, lift your stick, tip your cap, whatever you want to do to give him all the credit in the world because he played one hell of a game in a losing effort. And, I mean, it is a kind of concern that some of the goaltenders for the Binghamton Devils have had to make a lot of saves in some of these games. But, again, just like the New Jersey Devils, we're very young in Binghamton, and guys are learning how to play professional hockey, so they're learning as best as they can now now here are some of the games that are happening this upcoming weekend for excuse me this upcoming week for the binghamton devils there's actually only two and they're back-to-back games the first one is at home in newark against the lehigh valley phantoms on friday march 26th at seven o'clock and then the very next day on saturday march 27th the devils play lehigh valley again this time at lehigh 
Valley. So that is the De Binghamton Devils schedule for this upcoming week. And if I do have some time, I will give you guys more updates with them. But shout out to Binghamton that has played some really good games. And some of the young guys that we have a lot of hopes for are making some really, really good contributions. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we will finally get to the final part of this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. And I had the pleasure of welcoming on a man by the name of Anthony Vitale, who is the owner of Deke.ig on Instagram. And it's a new culture of hockey media. And they post a lot of really great content where they, you know, they show milestones, show highlights. They're trying to be a bleacher report basically for just hockey. And they've done a fantastic job. They've made a lot of really good edits. Uh, shout out to Anthony who constantly tags me on posts, especially about the devils. That is fantastic. I have really, really enjoyed his content. And we had a really nice conversation about his work and how Deke started. Um, even though he is a Rangers fan, and, and we'll, we'll give him a pass just this once, uh, he did talk to us a little bit about the Devils and what he expects from the team moving forward. So it was a great interview. And again, thank you so much to Anthony Vitale for coming on the Devil State of Mind podcast. So I want you guys to sit back, relax, and enjoy this great interview with Deke.ig's own Anthony Vitale. All right, Devils fans, I am rolling right now with the special guests, you know, and you know, even though the Devils have been winning of late, which is, I don't remember the last time the Devils won two games in a row. I really don't know. But anyway, we always have great guests that come on to this podcast. And today is certainly no exception. And today, this guy, I've been sharing some of his work on Instagram. If you follow the Devil's State of Mind podcast on Instagram, he's made some really, really good edits. And I've just been absolutely blown away and a couple of like i think it was like last week we got to talking and i said hey why don't you uh why don't you jump on the podcast i love bringing on creators uh, artists we've had on before i love bringing these people on to give these people an opportunity to you know showcase themselves and talk a little bit more about what they do and today we are excited to welcome on the founder of deke.ig which this guy makes so many great edits for hockey players and, and everything in between. It is a pleasure to welcome on Anthony Vitale. Anthony, welcome to the Devil's State of Mind podcast. How are you doing today? Hey, man, I'm doing great. Honored to join. Thank you for having me. Well, we it is an honor to have you on today. And my first question to you right off the bat is, how did it come about for you to start Deke? Well, I think it was really just me wanting to jump into the hockey world uh, just the fastest way I possibly could. And social media is always, you know, one of those uh, outlets that you can pretty much just go to. And it's one of those things that you can really just start whatever you want or, you know, whenever you want. And, you know, if you really push it, you can you can do it. So when I started wanting to get into Deke, yeah, um, when I really wanted to start making Deke, I should say, I really wanted to make some sort of hockey outlet that really represented the sport well because unfortunately the NHL really I don't I think they market themselves very poorly I don't think they're up to mm -hmm. standard with an NBA and an NFL or even an MLB unfortunately so I, I agree with really that had that inspiration of why not why can't there be some sort of you know uh yeah I mean like why can't there just be like some sort of like bleach report for the NHL no, I think that's a I think that's a very good point. And so I brought it up before here on this podcast and several others that the NHL does have to do better 
when it comes to promoting itself. I think that's the biggest thing. And I look at it from the standpoint of like, now the NHL has made a new deal with ESPN. I would like to think that ESPN will give the NHL an opportunity to promote itself even more and try to go from there because, you know, there is the possibility that the NHL, if it markets itself correctly, could get to maybe even being the third most popular sport in North America down the road. But, you know, like I said before, I have, you know, I only started um, following your account, I think like a couple weeks ago, and I've really, really loved a lot of the content. And again, you can just type on Instagram deke.ig and you will find it. And they make, they make a bunch of different things, wallpapers. Um, they're actually looking uh, for some interns as well, if I'm not mistaken. So they're constantly looking for new creators. I would highly recommend if you're interested in this, in this type of area, I would highly recommend you joining it. Um, my next question to you, Anthony, is this. What got you into the sport of hockey? and What made you love this sport so much? Um, so a lot of people really don't know this, but I I'm you know a huge sports guy in general. I follow all four North American sports religiously. Hockey was actually the last one I actually got into. I actually really? started watching hockey until I was uh, about 10 or 11 years old. Yeah, my, uh, my father... Um, I don't know if I should say this on here, but my father's a diehard uh, New York Rangers fan. <laughs> but um, it's all so, right. It's uh, all right. He would always, yeah, he would be watching the games downstairs. And then I kind of just, I don't know if I got bored or something. I was like, you know what? Let me start watching some hockey with him. And uh, immediately off the bat, I just fell in love with the sport. Just something about it just got me. And I'm like, I, how come do, how come I enjoy this much more than watching, you know, basketball? I mean, like baseball, you, baseball can sometimes be a snooze fest, especially if, you're not scoring. Or, yeah. I mean, I love my Yankees, but you know, sometimes that could be a snooze fest and you know, when the NFL isn't on, it's like you know, basketball and hockey. So, you know, it was good. It was good to finally get into hockey and have a, you know, another sport to keep myself occupied. Well, we'll let it slide that, uh, you know, you, you follow the Rangers and you're, you're a fan and we'll let it slide. You know, you're not the only, you're not the only Rangers fan that's come on this podcast. And matter of fact, we actually had on the, uh, one of the guys from, uh, the Broadway Boys podcast, which covers the New York Rangers on the Hockey Podcast Network several, several months ago. Um, so you're not the first one. But my my question, my next question to you is this. Like, what got you into the whole, I guess I would say, like, whole interest of doing all these edits and things like that? Because I'm really curious. Because, like, when I look at a lot of the edits that that you guys make, I'm, like, blown away by them. And I just want to know, like, where that passion in that you know wanting to do it came from well wanted to really go into a niche like that really deprived off of that whole inspiration of that the nhl really you know struggles to market itself so you know i would just be you know staying up late at night scrolling through my instagram and, and trying to look at different hockey stuff and you know different pages and everything and just you know give, give myself some inspiration and you know, also on my feed, obviously, I'd be one to follow all the bigger sports pages like Bleacher Report. Um, I used to intern over at Wave TV, so I, that was probably one of my big first ins within the uh, sports media field. And just looking at everything, I'm like, there's something not right about this. And then it kind of came to a conclusion. It's like, there's really not a lot of, you know, big hockey pages out there. I mean, there's some, there's some. And, you know, I'm luckily to fortunately be pretty connected with them at this point. But, you know, there isn't anything out there in the in the hockey world that's like a Bleacher Report or the score or mm -hmm. even like I know Wave has their own hockey department now at Slapshot. But 
there isn't necessarily anything huge in terms of the NHL. And, you know, that really just gave me a lot of inspiration of, okay, if I want to make something like this, how do I make it the best I can? And I thought to myself, I'm like, you know, there's, there's so many like beautiful, like basketball edits. I'm like, I would love to see some more hockey stuff of that. And even just certain stuff in the NFL alone. I'm like, if, if I can take this and translate it into hockey, I, I think it would just, you know, I think it would blow everybody's mind and it would be something that a lot of people haven't seen just yet. And, you know, so far in the two months that we've been around, it's really, you know, it's really came into fruition and, you know, I'm very proud of, you know, the team of how far, uh, how far we're going so far and how fast our growth is. So I guess it's really starting to pay dividends at this point, but I think the overall inspiration came from there's something lacking. Why don't we just be the change for it? Well, I would say that you guys should absolutely be proud of yourselves because like I've mentioned before, the work that you and your team have done with the edits and the designs that you have made have just been great. And, you know, I know last night you actually tagged me on a post where uh, it was a video of Jack Hughes getting the first goal against the Penguins last night, which was obviously um, a massive goal considering that the Devils ended up only winning by a goal. And it was a really nice shot. And you and I got to talking a little bit about, you know, how much of a beauty Jack Hughes really is. And it's crazy to think about how he's already reached his, his goal total from last year. You know, he only had seven goals last year. He's at number seven this year. And and that's great. And I look at a lot of the other edits and, you know, it's, it's exciting because I think what I see, you know, with you guys is that you're able to connect with so many fans from so many different, you know, teams, you know, you're not just focusing on one specific team, but working on, the whole National Hockey League. This might be a tough question for you because I always like to ask these type of questions. In your opinion, what is your all-time favorite edit? Out of all the ones you guys have put together, what is your all-time favorite? Do you have one? Um, I could probably give an answer of, the, of my favorite that I made and then a favorite of mine that my team has made. Okay. Um, I love all my graphics designers. They're very talented boys. You know, never don't take this personal if it's not yours, but oh my God, all the stuff you guys make is incredible. But I think the favorite edit that I, that my team has made may have probably been, you weren't kidding of being a tough question, but um, I think the one that really does come to mind when I think about it may have been, Oh my goodness, man. Uh, I think I'm going to have to go with my designer Cohen with his Patrick Kane uh, 1000th game edit, which mm. was, it blew me away. The funniest thing is we had a little miscue about it. I actually made one for that. And um, I was, I was pretty set on it. It was like probably one of the first edits I ever made. And I was like, Oh my goodness, this is actually really nice. I can't wait to put this up. And then he sends into um, our uh, drop chat. It's like, here, I got this for tonight. I'm like, wow, that is too nice not to post. I'm putting that up right now. <laughs> so um, that might have been one of my favorite designs that uh, a member of my team has made. I think my favorite design that I personally made was um, not even because I'm on here. I just think it was the best one that came out was my uh, Travis Ajak 1000th game edit. Mm, that is a good one. That is a very, very good one. I, um, you know, it, it's, it's funny because I remember when I started like seeing the posts and, and what's funny is that I believe I just like accidentally came across um, your guys's page. It might've been through another devil's account that was sharing it, but that's how I came across it. And you guys have made like a bunch of really good devils edits. And I'm actually trying to find the Zajac one. I forgot how long ago it was now. I was like, 
February 27th. I'm way, I think I, I feel like I'm way off, but I already forgot when he actually, um, when he got his a thousand game. That's how, that's how bad I am at these things. But you, you know, you guys have been, you know, on point with like a lot of these and I would agree. Now you did, you did, you did make one, or I think you shared one. I want to say it was a little while ago um where yeah you were talking <laughs> i don't know if you made it or some or one of your designers made it but you made one where i was talking about jack eichel maybe going to the new jersey devils which i mean i i said before a man can dream because it's very unrealistic that the devils of all teams would be a team that would be in play for jack eichel what was that just kind of like a funny thing to kind of get it like blown up? Or was that something that like you feel like is an actual possibility that maybe down the road, Jack, I could, could come to New Jersey. So I could confirm actually that was my first ever Jersey swap. So that, that was actually uh, one that I personally made. Um, I think that was a mix of both. It's just like, you know what? There's so many trade rumors going on. And then when you, when you hear a trade rumor go on in general, just thinking historically, mm-hmm. like, like eight out of the 10 times, it sometimes isn't exactly the team that like everybody in the media is talking about. Sometimes there's that team that just sneaks back door. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't happen, but I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, all right, if we're talking about making a, a true trade package for, you know, a, a guy like Jack Eichel, like who really has the assets for that? And, you know, the three teams that obviously come to mind were the LA Kings, the New York Rangers. And then I thought to myself, who has young talent like the New Jersey Devils? Mm-hmm. No, that's a good point. That's that's a very good point. I mean, you look at, you know, the, the two guys that stand out the most have to be Jack Hughes and Nico Hishier. And, I mean, we do have talent to an extent in, you know, the goaltending department. Obviously, we're still trying to get worried about Mackenzie Blackwood. We do not know what his situation is. We All we know is that it's an upper body injury that came out just prior to last night's game against the Penguins. So it was kind of a it was kind of a surprise, um, and we still don't have any sort of answers. But, yeah, I mean, I've seen people bring up, you know, different trade rumors when it comes to the Devils because of that young town. I remember during the offseason, um, people were putting trade rumors in that the Devils were trying to acquire Patrick Line, and they were saying, well, how you know, how could they make a trade work? And they would be like, oh, we tra- we'd have to trade Nico or Jack and probably a young defenseman and a first-round pick and everything. And, I mean, looking back now, obviously I think the Devils could have gotten him for a lot less considering what Columbus ended up giving up for um, Patrick Line. But, you know, it's always fun to, to, to have these type of rumors out there, especially when you're a team like the Devils that's towards the bottom of the NHL and not really looking at the playoffs down the road. Now, um, I did mention this before, and I want to bring it up because I, I am curious, is that you obviously are a New York Rangers fan, which it's probably tough that you're wearing a Devil's shirt. Uh, you guys can't see it, but he's actually wearing a Devil's shirt at the moment. M- my question to you is this. Where do you see the Hudson River rivalry going um, in the future? Because I think now it seems like over the last two years, it's kind of set up to where the Devils got some really young, exciting talent and the Rangers now have some young, exciting talent. Do you feel like this is a rivalry, rivalry that can get reignited to when it, to where it was in the 90s and even back as early as 2012? Like, Do you feel we're on that path to maybe getting back to that point? 
Oh, a hundred percent. I think it's going to, I honestly think it's going to be bigger than the New York Rangers and the New York Islanders rivalry. Mm. Personally, if you ask me down the road, Capo Caco and Jack Hughes are always going to be linked throughout their entire career because <laughs> they went both, you know, one and two in that draft. So that's, that's just the start of it all, you know, and I just look at the teams and they're just, I wouldn't say they're built so similar. I could just see that they're, they have a lot of, you know, of the same stuff kind of going on. Like you, we both have two very young, you know, goaltenders that are probably going to be top five in the league when it's all said and done in Sturkin and, you know, Mackenzie Blackwood. Yeah, let's hope so. Not <laughs> but, you know, just the young talent on those teams, you know, can definitely, you know, be mix and matched, you know, Hughes, Heashear, you know, Kako, Lafreniere. I, I think they're built very similar in terms of their young core and they both have very, very bright futures in the NHL. I would say probably top five in for uh, for both of them respectively, so I think it's going to be a very interesting rivalry down the road. I don't think it's going to come close to Lundqvist and Brodeur <laughs> during those times. That was just that was something. <laughs> that was a great era of hockey. That was great era. It was incredible. That's that's probably going to be unmatched. But I could be wrong. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at the Rangers goaltending situation with Georgiev and, and Shostakin. I mean, that those are two young, talented goaltenders. The Devils have Mackenzie Blackwood and you know we do have some young guys with promise in the in the farm system as well as just in our prospect pool so maybe and I agree with you 100% I think the way and, and I was talking to some Rangers fans about this and we've all kind of agreed on the same thing that we all feel like this is how the NHL kind of wanted it in a way I know that sounds kind of like conspiracy theorist but I'm being serious like I think the NHL was trying to get this rivalry to get ramped up again because they they remember it from the 90s and even in the 2000s when these teams would like re- legitimately hate each other and legitimately it wasn't just oh rivalries are for the fans no there was also a rivalry on the ice these two teams did not like each other and they have created so many tremendous memories especially in the postseason you know Stefan Mateau in 94 then you have Adam Henry in 2012 you know some some really awesome memories, and it would be awesome to get that rivalry back to where it was. And, you know, this year has been certainly interesting with the rivalry. You know, the Devils winning the first two games at Madison Square Garden and the Rangers winning the next two games at Prudential Center. So a home team is yet to win a game in this season series, but there are four games left, and those four games will be played in the, I believe, second week of April. So that'll be that big week of that four-game series where the whole week is just you know, Rangers. And that's going to be, I think that's going to be great. I think it's gonna be great to have that many games in a row, in a row, actually, you know, playing against your, you know, your rival, the same opponent that long. Cause the devils right now are playing a three game set against the penguins. And this is kind of the experience that we're going to get, you know, with a little bit more, you know, intensity, especially from the fans with playing the Rangers. So that'll be fun. My next question to you, Anthony, is this, when you look at the devils, who is your right now? Who is your favorite player on the Devils and why? Oh, it's not even close. It's 100% Jack Hughes. I am I am such a big Jack Hughes fan. It's not even funny. Like he's actually the guy on the back of my shirt right now. There you go. I'm I'm a I'm getting there into becoming a pretty big collector and I've already got like I've already made it a priority to get a bunch of his rookie cards. So I'm a big collector of him, big fan of him. Just something about him just screams Patrick Kane, next Patrick mm. Kane to me. I, I, it's probably his biggest comparison. But, you know, as much as, you know, 
you know, I'm a Rangers fan, but I try to obviously be, I'm, I'm much more than a Rangers fan. I'm just a fan of the sport <laughs> in general. I love watching this kid play just his speed, his skill set, and just watching him put it all together. And, you know, last night that goal was something else. That is something I was like, Oh my goodness. I, I saw that on TV. I said, as soon as that comes out on Twitter, I'm putting that right up on the page. So, you know, even just, you know, I know he struggled in his rookie season. So is Capo Caco last year was very weird just because of the whole pandemic in general. And even this year is going to be pretty overlooked just because of the pandemic being a shortened season, but right. my goodness, his growth from last year to this year is incredible. Yeah, it, he certainly has improved a lot, and it's great to see. And we know that as the games go along and as the seasons go along, he's going to get better and better and better. And we expect him probably down the road to maybe even give him a chance to be the number one centerman on this team. And if he can end up becoming even half of what Patrick Kane is, I'm totally, totally fine with that. My next question to you, Anthony, is this. And I know, obviously, Devils fans may not want to fully hear this because, you know, like I did mention before, Anthony is a Rangers fan, but I do want to get his opinion. When you look at the Devils, at the time of this recording, they are 10, 13, and 4 with 24 points. They are second to last in the East Division, and they are 27th out of 31 teams. What do you feel is the biggest reasons for the struggles that the Devils have had this year, in your opinion? Well, when I look at team struggles and this year specifically, I'm not too critical in teams of, you know, really not performing to their best. I know this season really isn't going to be much considering everything with the pandemic, you know, shortened season. So I'm not going to be obviously too critical on it because there's so many different factors and just even the whole prep phase of this season probably threw everybody for a loop. Mm. So I don't know if it's maybe a lack of preparation, but when I look at the roster, I see the talents there. It's a very young team. I don't know if there's anything that the team is lacking more of just maybe, I think if the team can really use anything down the line, it might be a little bit some more leadership. I know the, you know, we have, you know, Kyle Paul Mary as one of those, you know, top leader forwards. You guys just named Nico. He captain, which I a hundred percent. I'm a hundred percent for, I think it was born for that role. And I'm, you know, very glad that they made that. I just think it was more of just putting the pieces together. And I know, you know, Lindy Ruff's system is uh, pretty interesting. So mm-hmm. I'm not too, I, I don't want to be critical of Lindy Ruff. I have the utmost respect for him. I'm just not a hundred percent sure if his style of hockey is the one to fit this, fit this team, especially down the line. I'm very critical yeah. of David Quinn, just to let you know. So <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't shy away from bias or, you know, you know, not being biased and that said. So if if it comes down to anything of why they struggled, I think it was just more finding their click. You know, yeah. it's a very young roster. So I think I think we're gonna see a lot more high quality games like the one we saw last night down the road. And I think once Mackenzie Blackwood is healthy and back on the ice, I, I think they're gonna I think they're gonna be playing a lot more high quality hockey. You know, I, I agree with you know your assessment of Lindy Ruff because you know Lindy Ruff is an offensive type of coach but I think in some degree the game may have passed him by like he's struggling a little bit more with understanding you know what really needs to work in the modern NHL and look I've said before is that I don't personally believe that Lindy Ruff is going to end up being the coach long term with this team um maybe he's going to be the coach for another two or three years as we continue to develop um I think Fitzgerald brought him in because he wanted a culture change. He wanted a guy that was going to be more demanding and more 
of, you know, getting these guys to say, hey, we want to have the confidence that we can compete with anybody. And for the most part this season, I feel like the team has competed. This last stretch, after, you know, prior to us beating both Buffalo and Pittsburgh, we really, there were games where we were competing and then there were other games where it just didn't look like we had anything going and that we weren't, it didn't look like that they were caring. So it's a really tough season to evaluate, like you mentioned before, because we just don't know what guys are dealing with left and right. But hopefully as the season progresses and we've just about hit the halfway point of the year, you know, hopefully in the second half of the season, we can start to, you know, get back to how we were playing at the beginning of the year and, and getting things rolling and going from there. My next question to you, Anthony, is this. When you look at the Devils and you look at the fact that we are pretty close to the trade deadline, we're about a week, I think almost two weeks. I don't remember exactly the day of the, I think it's April 10th. So I think we're about two weeks away from the deadline. Do you feel that the Devils will make moves with regards to, you know, moving expiring contracts? Do you think that they'll just stay put because of, you know, the flat cap and teams may not be so interested to give up certain assets? Like, what do you think the Devils plan is probably going to be at the trade deadline? Um, in terms of their deadline uh, plans, I think – it's definitely – I know the Devils have always been very conservative in terms of their cap. Uh, that, that's more of like a Lula Morello type of um, error type of thing. I always knew they were very conservative in terms of that. I know that there's been a lot of trade rumors and, you know, certain whispers about Kyle Palmieri potentially getting traded. Mm -hmm. That's – obviously he's on an expiring contract. And he's a, he's a veteran, you know, he's a veteran basically. He's one of the biggest, you know, leadership – you know, guys on the Devils. So yeah. I know that he's a very valuable, you know, winger. So I think it really just comes down to if this is a guy that they want for the long-term a whole, or that if they don't think they're going to be able to come to an agreement with him, that they should definitely dealt him out. I'm personally going to uh, say that I think Paul Mary will get dealt. I think that there's a lot of uh, trade interest around him especially i've been hearing the new york islanders yes a potential spot for them because they're they they actively came out and said that we're looking for a scoring winger so paul mary fits that right so i think that if they i think if they give them the right price i think it would be foolish of the devils not to but at the end of the day it depends on really how much they value a guy like kyle paul mary if they if that's a guy that they value much because of his leadership and his on ice ability i think they're i think they should try to come to something with him it's really a funny thing because if you go back to last year, I, I would say personally that Paul Mary had more value last year than he did this year on the trade market for, for obviously different reasons. Um, but when Fitzgerald did not make the move to trade him, and I remember him saying, why would I want to trade a 30 goal score? The question is what exactly, if he gets traded, the question is, okay, what changed? Was it that because he's now in an expiring deal, it, do the Devils just not feel that he's part of their long-term uh, plans, like you mentioned? And also, do they get a deal that's, that's, that Fitzgerald wants to make? Because I've learned that Tom Fitzgerald doesn't make moves just to make moves. He's going to do what he thinks is best for the organization, and, he's, and he knows he's not going to have to give up a huge amount of assets. The only problem with trading Palmieri is because he is the only 30-goal scorer this team has had in the last handful of years. So it's if you take him away out of the equation, the question is, okay, well then who's your main you know guy that you're going to depend on to be a consistent goal scorer down the road? You'd like to hope it's guys like you know Nico Heischer, Jack Hughes, uh, Jesper Bratt, you know Yanni Kokkinen, 
Sharon Govich, Alexander Holtz down the road, Dawson Mercer, guys like that. Like we're all hoping that those guys can do it. And also, I think this is something to keep in mind is that because the Devils are in the position that they're in right now, knowing that they're probably not going to make the playoffs, if they do end up making a deal for Kyle Palmieri, it could be good for one or two of the young guys in our farm system, you know, guys like Nolan Foote, Graham Clark, that could get an opportunity in the last five to 10 games to get called up, to play some games, to continue to evaluate the team as a whole and the organization as a whole and try to see what you have. So there's, I've said it before, I would be happy either way because I think we'll get probably some decent assets. I don't know what, Um, but I think with Anders Lee getting hurt and being out the rest of the year, I think it makes Palmieri that much more attractive to the New York Islanders and just makes getting a winger or getting a goal scorer, excuse me, that much more attractive considering that they need some top six scoring help. So that's, this is something that it's more of a let's wait and see approach. You know, the Fitzgerald is talking with Palmieri's agent and Palmieri himself and going from there. And we'll see, we'll see what happens. My last question to you, Anthony, before we let you go. And again, thank you so much for, for doing this today. It's, it's been a blast. My question to you is this for anybody out there, that is interested in being in either sports media in general or being in this, I guess you would say like editing um, type of career path, what would be some advice you could give to them? Uh, so, yeah, thank you again for having me on and everything. Um, for, for people who want to jump into this field, I would say the best advice that I can definitely give from my personal experience is definitely educate yourself on that um you know in terms of in terms of the editing aspect um i'm i'm not a graphics designer by trade but even just a few months of editing and just experimenting educating myself just watching youtube videos on photoshop has made me such a better you know designer in general and you know now i can literally go on my computer and just you know say what do i want to make and then i can just think of something and i can put it out there so it's one of those things that you know, definitely, you know, practice what you preach. Uh, another big life lesson that I can really give everybody is don't bite off more than you can chew, because that is something that I have, um, that I have made a mistake in the past of doing and it took me a while to get out of it. But, you know, luckily that's in the past now, but that's something that I will continue to live for because I have a lot of people that ask me why it doesn't uh, DK have a Twitter, a YouTube, you know, a mm-hmm. TikTok yet. And that's pretty much my big answer. I don't want to bite off more than I can chew. I want to just keep the focus of, you know, keeping what we got going. And then, you know, once the time may come, then we, you know, have the potential to expand to other platforms. So, and I think, you know, that is uh, definitely going to help us down the line by doing that. And, you know, once we do expand, you know, it would be, uh, it's going to be pretty cool, but um, yeah, don't definitely don't bite off more than you can chew because that'll just, that that's not going to be the best in most of your interests and it could honestly slow you down or kind of ruin your whole project in a sense because that's what it kind of did with my stuff back in the day mm-hmm. and then i definitely could say that reaching out to media outlets definitely get yourself some experience whether it be um whatever field you're in graphics design you want to do some sports media you know analysts work definitely try to reach out do what you and see because there's a bunch i know because of covid it's a little bit tough right now but there's always demand for stuff like that mm-hmm. and with the growing growing instagram sports you know market and just everything that's going you know 
everything that's kind of growing on here now, it's making it a lot easier to get your, your feet wet in that field. So definitely reach out to a bunch of outlets, you know, definitely make yourself a LinkedIn so <laughs> you can reach out to some of the bigger stuff because there's always a market on that. Right. And, you know, get, assert yourself out there and definitely get, definitely get your feet, uh, definitely get your feet wet in whatever you want to do before you uh, try to reach out to that. The sky is the limit and everything. If you put your mind to something, you can fit, you can do anything you want. So, you know, uh, to, to young aspiring uh, people who want to get into this field, trust me, nothing's impossible. If I, if I thought that this wasn't impossible, I wouldn't, I would, I would, uh, I wouldn't be here right now. So definitely just practice what you preach and keep the positive mindset and anything that is possible. I love all that advice. That, that whole, that whole speech was absolutely phenomenal. And I love how you say, don't buy up more than you can chew because, you know, I've done that in the past and, you know, it's obviously never a fun feeling and it's good to just take it one step at a time. And there was some advice that was given to me. It's called, let the game come to you. You know, patience is a virtue and that if you just, if you keep, keep your nose down and you keep working hard, you know, eventually things are going to break for you in one way or another and reaching out to people and, and doing things, even like an internship. I mean, hell, Deke.ig is looking for some interns. So if you're listening to this episode, you know, go to their Instagram page and, and sign up and, uh, you know, apply. And I'm sure that they would be more than happy to have you on. Anthony, before I let you go, and I, and I do this with all of my guests, I give them the platform to tell the folks at home, um, you know, where they can find you guys and how they can stay up to date with all the new stuff that you guys post. Um, any other news that you'd like to share with us and everything you're working on. So my friend, the floor is yours. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. So if you guys, uh, if you guys want to follow us on Instagram, obviously uh, we're at uh, deke.ig. Uh, best way to stay up, uh, up and close with the news and everything that we break would be hitting that bell notification icon. We like to post uh, multiple posts every day regarding different stuff around the NHL in terms of news. And we have a marquee game of the day that we like to break to everybody. So that's uh, certainly something that we like to do to uh, bring more awareness to the sport, not just from one fan base, but for all combined fan bases, pick a marquee game and really, you know, get the awareness going around for that. And then we always like to post a lot of highlights. So if you, uh, if you miss something on TV, that is certainly a, a highlight reel. It'll definitely be up on there. So, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, no, that's, that's tremendous, man. And, uh, do you, do you guys have, um, actually tell the, tell the folks like how, how they can apply. Cause I know, like you, I mentioned before, you guys are oh. looking for some interns, you know, sure. t- talk to the people, how they can apply and, and get involved. For sure. So uh, right now we're currently looking into bringing in interns for our creative team. Those roles would practically be uh, graphics design or actually even being sort of an insider or a cover for a specific NHL team of your choice. So uh, what we're looking for is somebody to cover each and every NHL team to break to uh, to break to us to get us up with the uh, news. So mm. if that is something that uh, comes to interest for anybody covering your favorite team, uh, our applications are in our bio just uh, fill that out and uh we'll be back with you guys within at least a few days to uh discuss that and you know uh like to make that happen so and even even if that if anybody ever has any questions regarding getting into this field awesome man well anthony this was an absolute pleasure to have you on i was super excited to uh to talk to you a little bit about the things that you guys do over at deke and uh i'm a big fan i will continue to check you guys out, especially when you make some sweet devil's edits. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely have you on again. 
Anthony, thank you oh, so very much, man. We really appreciate it. Hey, man, it's been an honor. Thank you so much again for having us on. <laughs> no problem. What's going on, Devils fans? It's your host, Neil Villapiano. Thank you so much for checking out this edition of the Devils State of Mind podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get the most up-to-date news about your New Jersey Devils. If you want to check out more of the podcast, here's what you do. You go wherever you listen to podcasts, so that could be Spotify, that could be iTunes, that could be Google Podcasts, you know, wherever you listen to podcasts, you go and you search Devil's State of Mind, and you will find the new episodes that we post every week on both Mondays and Thursdays. Please also go check out the Hockey Podcast Network as a whole. We have podcasts for all the teams in the NHL, as well as other great hockey podcasts. So just like with Devil's State of Mind, just search Hockey Podcast Network, and you can see all the podcasts that we have on this great network. You can follow the Devil's State of Mind on social media. You can follow us on Twitter at Devil's State, and you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Devil's State of Mind. Make sure to also follow the Hockey Podcast Network on all social media platforms. Just search at H-O-C-K-E-Y Hockey P-O-D Pod N-E-T Net. If you want to listen to more of my voice, go like and subscribe to the Mofobo Network Sports Podcast, where I talk about all things going on in the wide world of sports. New episodes go out every Monday and Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, go like and subscribe to the Mofobo Network Sports Presents channel on YouTube, where just like the podcast, I talk about different topics that are going on in the world of sports as well. New videos go out every single Tuesday on YouTube. So it's spelled M-O-F-O-B-O Network Presents, and you will find it. Again, new videos out every Tuesday. You can stay up to date with all the new episodes and videos by following me on my personal Twitter at T-H-E-N-V-P-S-H-O-W, my personal Instagram at N-V-P-Q-B-11, and also Mofobo Network on Facebook. And last, but certainly not least, go check out both my books on Amazon and Barnes & Noble right now. The first is J-E-T-S, Pain, 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 The Agony and the Ecstasy, Nah, No Ecstasy, of Being a Jets Fan. This book is about all the pain and suffering of being a New York Jets fan. So from all the painful moves, painful games, painful player decisions, painful ownership decisions, you know, where, you know, anything you could think of, it's in this book. So this is really for the Jets fan. So if you're a Jets fan, a football fan, if you know someone of those, or if you just want to support me, go check out that book. The other book that I just published recently is titled Meet the Mets Mess. The R-E-G-R-E-T-S of New York Town. This one is all about the regrets of being a Mets fan. And even through world championships in 1969 and 1986, there was so much regret between those years, between those years, as well as the years following 1986. Both of these books are available for both hardcover and ebook for the price of 1969. So if you're a Jets fan or a Mets fan, or by some chance you're both, you probably guessed why I chose that price. So again, 
please go check out both of those books. The first one, J-E-T-S, Pain, 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 The Pain and Suffering of Being a New York Jets Fan, and also Meet the Mets Mess, the R-E-G-R-E-T-S of New York Town. So once again, thank you guys so much for checking out this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. My name is Neil Villapiano, and we will see you in the next episode. Everyone continue to be the amazing people that you are, you know, every single day, you know, always remember to just be yourself and continue to kick absolute butt. And one last thing, rock on. Woo!